Hello everyone, my name is Ryan Stacy, and welcome to the Hockey Minds Podcast. This podcast is powered by Instat, the leader in video and data analysis. Instat Hockey supports all levels of our game worldwide with video breakdown and or scouting services. For more information, you can visit Instat on the web at instatsport.com or on Twitter at Instat Hockey. Today I'm drawn by Mike Lisi, head coach with the Corpus Christi Ice Rays. Another up-and-coming coach, he has spent time as an assistant in various leagues learning the tricks of the trade. With a strong foundation and some impressive apprenticeships, he is now in a position to run his own program, and as you can tell from the conversation and this podcast interview, he is primed and ready to do so. With that, here is Mike Lisi, head coach of the Corpus Christi Ice Rays. You've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how Payday can come every day by entering their contests for huge cash prizes up for grabs. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night and is simple to do. You draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means much more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports, and DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports so there's no better place to get in on all the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app today and sign up using code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit, only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required, eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Today on the podcast, we're talking about Mike Lee, head coach with the Corpus Christi Ice Trades. Mike, thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate you having me on. Definitely. I'm, I'm excited to get you on. And, uh, you know, the NAHL is a, a league that we haven't um, had on the podcast much thus far. It, it's been something that I'd like to add here recently. So, um, you know, ecstatic to finally get you on and, and learn more about your career. So let's just start off by learning a little bit more about you. Maybe talk about your upbringing in your early years and, and just more information to uh, let listeners know about you personally. Yeah, so I, I grew up in a, a fairly large town in, in Hillsborough, New Jersey. Uh, it's about 50 square miles. Um, it was an old farm town way back when and a lot of development, a lot of people who work in New York City. Um, my parents worked locally, uh, fortunately, and big uh, sports loving family. Both my sisters did gymnastics. Uh, I played soccer. My younger sister played soccer. My older sister played softball. I grew up playing some lacrosse. Uh, soccer was kind of my first love and uh, started playing hockey at the age of seven, maybe a, a late start compared to some guys north of the border, but um, fell in love with the game right away and was fortunate enough. The first ever NHL game I went to was a New Jersey Devils game in 1995 and they went on to win the Stanley Cup. So it was kind of a perfect storm for me to fall in love with the game of hockey and that summer, I, I got on the ice and played in my first house league. And from there on out, I don't think I've missed a hockey season since. Yeah, no, it's awesome. And, and I think uh, definitely, you know, having the experience of, of watching an elite team, uh, you're automatically just hooked. And, and then um, as we can see in your career and where you are today, you kind of continue with that moving forward. Um, a lot of times, a lot of people, when they want to get into coaching or management or whatever the case may be, They'll look to uh, kind of supplement some schooling as well as their on ice experience. So maybe just also talk briefly about your schooling. 
and uh, your time at Sunny Fredonia studying exercise science and sport management. Yeah, so I, I my I did my undergrad at, at SUNY Cortland and played Division three there, and it was probably the the perfect fit for me with uh, the academic side of things and the athletic side of things. It was it was again a, a perfect storm for me. Um, I actually went into school as a communications major, and Cortland introduced um, a coaching major on the kinesiology side about halfway through my sophomore year. So um, talked to my parents about that, made that switch, and. I think that was the most beneficial thing I did in my college career um, to help me get, get on this path to coaching. Um, you, you focus on kinesiology, the science side of things. You learn about human movement, the body, um, the anatomy side of things. But then you also, we dove into the psychology and the sports ethics. And a lot of my classes were maybe ideal because you're, you were talking about recent events, um, whatever was going on, what was the front page story on, on ESPN sports center was kind of the topic of the day in some of these classes. And for me, as a guy who loves sports, it was, it was perfect. I could dial in and really be uh, motivated to, to do my work. And I knew eventually that I would have to stop playing the game and I wanted to stay in the game. So you had to find a way to stay in it. And I, I always kind of looked at coaching as my future. My dad was my soccer coach growing up and I always enjoyed that. And I know he loved it. So I kind of get that a little bit from him uh, and then getting the opportunity to go to Fredonia and continue my education and, and start coaching right away um, to dive in deeper to the sports management side of things, the business side of things, and then more on the exercise science part really helped my team at the time. We did some cool things um, in our, our lab there at Fredonia, but then it just kind of prepared me for being a full-time coach and learning things along the way that maybe you don't pick up the player. And I think in today's age, it's, it's the bigger, stronger athletes, the, the more mature players who, who push through at an early level. And you get to see the kind of things that those kids need to be working on. One thing we did at Fredonia that I think paid dividends for a lot of younger guys when they came in as freshmen was we would put them in the bod pod and, and take body fat measurements. And it wouldn't just give them, Hey, you're 28% body fat or 12% body fat it would give them calorie counts and things that they needed to focus on for their diet um, so that they could become the athlete they wanted to be. Like some, some of those things are it, to some people, it's common knowledge to others. They have no background. They didn't, they don't, they don't even know the first place to start. So I was able to kind of push that along to my players and obviously learn myself. And I think it helped our culture and everything we were doing there at Fredonia for the four years I was there. Yeah. It sounds like a, you know, an unreal experience there and, uh, being able to, you know, have the freedom to implement some new things definitely uh, is is great in that first experience on that side of things. And, uh, you know, following your time with that program, eventually uh, you would move to RPI this time as a volunteer assistant. Talk about uh, how that experience kind of came about and your responsibilities with that program specifically. Yeah, so I never, I never thought I'd be going from a, a four-year paid position to a volunteer position, but... Um, Dan Jewell, um, who's now at Merrimack, was the assistant there at RPI. And me and Danny played together at Cortland and had had a pretty strong relationship years after. And we spent some time when I was training up in New Hampshire. He would pass through every once in a while and crash on my buddy's couch. And we connected more over that and just talked about the game, watched playoffs, all that stuff. And he came calling after um, my last year at Fredonia and basically said, hey, is this something you're interested in? And 
I said, well, geez, if you're, if you're calling me and asking me, I, I probably should be interested to kind of get my foot in the door at the division one level. Um, and Dave Smith, Chuck Weber was on staff there, Noah Siegel. Uh, it was really the first time that I had been part of a staff at Fredonia. It was just me and Jeff Meredith and we shared an office and we did everything together and get to RPI. Now everyone has specific roles, right? One guy's got the power play. One guy's got the PK. Uh, one guy's more dialed into the recruiting side of the things. You have a hockey ops director. Um, and then the, all the other things that the head coach has to kind of manage through the course of the year um, outside of hockey. I, I got a really in-depth look at all those things and being on a staff for the first time, I was able to kind of focus on one role and the role they gave me was kind of that skill development um, and pseudo hockey ops role where I did a lot of our pre-scouts and I was on the ice maybe three, four hours a day with the extra ice we had at the Houston field house. So the mornings I would, I'd be on the ice with guys that either had class and couldn't make practice or guys that wanted some extra ice between classes. Um, and that was really beneficial to me because I, I kind of got my start in love for coaching doing summer camps. And now I was able to, to take those drills and skills and things that I had picked up along the way doing camps with the youth level and now implement it with NHL draft picks, guys that are were fighting for pro contracts and wanting to develop over a four year period. So for me, like it was, it was kind of the perfect role for me there. And then I got to see and learn along the way from some pretty high level coaches on the X's and O's and team management and just how a staff really operates. Yeah. I, again, it just seems like a perfect situation for you and, uh, you know, a great staff there, Dave Smith, a guest that we had on earlier in the podcast and, um, I know Noah as well. So it's just interesting to to see um, how much you're able to take out, even a volunteer position. And like you said, the skills sessions and being able to implement video and, and learn all these things and uh, have a more defined role as opposed to maybe some prior programs and, and smaller programs like we hear from other guests. You're just kind of doing everything and anything uh, in the run of the day. And you, you talk about working with players who you know are fighting for pro contracts or NHL prospects and a lot of times uh, in the WHL, that's the case as well. And eventually you're able to move there with Everett. Just just talk about the change this time going north of the border and then the opportunity to coach CHL level uh, with that team. Yes, that was something I never really expected. And even when when I started getting into the interview process and taking phone calls, it was, it was almost like a dream come true. And yeah, from an American kid out east who doesn't, we didn't know much about major junior growing up and there was always this knock on it. Oh, you lose your education, this and that. And Everett is just a, a first class organization. They, they do things the right way. And Dennis Williams and uh, Louis Mass, um, Gary Davidson, was GM when I was there, just from top to bottom, a first class organization and probably the most influential stop along the way for me so far. Um, they got, it got cut short. We were on a pretty good run there down the stretch right before the everything happened in our world and COVID shut us down. But I think from I go from a, a skill development role in at RPI to again more of a skill development role, working with the forwards, staying on the ice, working extra with the younger guys, and um, doing a lot of hockey ops. I'd never live coded a game uh, from the stands before I got there, and I spent the first two months kind of learning how to do that. And um, the best thing I think about ever what I learned was the culture piece um, from the staff down, everyone has to earn their rope. Right. So myself included there, I think I was 
pushed to a, a different level of commitment, uh, details, and organization that really has elevated me to the position I'm in now. And um, it was unfortunate things had to end the way they end, but um, I think it all works out for the for the better down the line. But again, you're you're traveling to these these cities I've only ever heard of: Kelowna, beautiful. Um, we went out to Medicine Hat, uh, Lethbridge, uh, up to Prince George, out to Victoria. You're going down and playing uh, the Portland Winterhawks, the storied franchise down there. So for me, as a guy who had, I'd never even stepped out there, getting thrown right into that and every bus trip was something new was, was really exciting. You're on the bus for a lot of hours and some long nights, but there was always that excitement level for me was I'm going somewhere new and exciting and we've got a really good group of guys and we, I mean, we had – I think it was six guys signed entry-level deals off that roster now to this date. And just an experience learning from the kids, learning from the staff, and just how they operate there is, is I think I'm going to lean on heavily in this new role with Corpus. And, you know, having a, a just a completely different experience, you know, CHL, a different league than, than the college uh, level, just and, and a lot of times different age players. So you're getting that experience of working with, you know, some players who are 16, 17 years old and, um, and then with a the great staff, you know, Everett does really have a, a great program and a lot of great staff that you mentioned there and working in the States and, and in the college level, definitely going somewhere like Prince George. It's a, maybe a little bit of a culture shock and just a, a different atmosphere. But, um, you know, I think that's a great way to approach it. And, and everybody knows junior hockey has a lot of bus travel. But when you can put that spin on it, it kind of getting to see the world a little bit. It, it definitely helps it as well. And things continue to evolve. You talk about the quote would break and, and that kind of, uh, you know, likely change things in the CHL a little bit. And um, for you, you would move on then to the USHL with Des Moines. Just talk about maybe how that transpired. And then um, my experience working in USHL with the, with the historic program there as well. Yeah. First off, it's, it's obviously, like you said, it's a storied program and it's an old barn there in Des Moines and it's about 60 years old. And I know they're getting ready to move into a new one in a year or two, but I, I, I look at that place. It's special. Like that, that is junior hockey. When you, when you, when you think about it, it's an old building. It feels a little bit like slap shot. The fans are rowdy. They're rocking. Um, there's a true passion for the game out there, which again, being a guy from close to New York city and, I'm telling my buddies and family and friends, hey, uh, I'm moving to Iowa. And they're going, well, what, what's in Iowa? Um, it was it was really an amazing stop for me along the way of, uh, I think, a hidden gem as a city as well. Uh, and fortunate enough, the way our, our country kind of dealt with COVID, different spots in our country had different rules. And fortunate enough that hockey was allowed to be played in, in the middle of our country. And I think that played a big part into me making the move. Um, and I got there after training camp ready basically for, for game one of the season. Um, and then just, I think dealing with some challenges and hurdles with COVID um, shutdowns and protocols kind of made you rethink some of the cultural pieces that you maybe believed in prior and how you manage your players and their mental health. And these kids were, they got there in August. They didn't get to go home for Christmas and, you're playing until April, May. So you, you kind of see the, the stress on them a little bit more and how they're managing things. And I think I learned a lot from the experience just on that side of things, making sure that, Hey, it's, it's about the person first too, not just the hockey side of things. And um, yeah, I was really fortunate to, to, we had 50 plus games there where 
I know the dub only played 24. The OHL didn't play. Other leagues had huge cancellations. You had a bubble down in Florida in junior hockey. So um, I think the USHL was a great stop for me, and I learned a lot there. Good timing there. Like you said, the the availability to have some games and um, definitely tough on the players not being able to go home for Christmas as a teenager. Uh, you know, that can be a, a struggle for sure. And then on top of trying to perform and all the other things that come through a regular hockey season and uh, for you, again, another opportunity to learn more on, on the player development side and the personal development and, and continue to kind of work in, in your direction that you want to keep pursuing a, the next opportunity and kind of grow in the game of hockey. And for you, that next opportunity was with Corpus, uh, with Base Rays, and uh, at the NAHL level this time being a head coach. Talk about um, how that came about and then just the chance to be a head coach uh, at that level and, and kind of running your own program. Yeah, so obviously when, when the opportunity came my way and conversation started, I it was a no-brainer for me. Uh, the ownership is really strong there in Corpus. Um, I actually played with the owner uh, when I had my short little stint in the East Coast Hockey League. And I've worked with Ryan Carruthers for uh, a bit in, on the youth side of things with um, some local New Jersey spring programs and some other tournaments and camps along the way. And we've always stayed connected. and. Um, Ryan's a coach, so I, I trust in an owner who knows the game. And the biggest thing Ryan brings that I was attracted to is the culture piece. Our our ideals along those lines line up perfectly. Um, we're both kind of East Coast guys. He's from New York. We're both big New York Giants fans. Um, he had lent a book to me a couple years ago when uh, when we first kind of reconnected after playing and it's earned the right to win. It's Tom Coughlin uh, from the New York Giants and their championship in 2007. It was something that I, I realized right away that Ryan's ideals fit the way that I think, and we both want to operate, and we both think leads to success. So just in conversations with him along the way and, and taking over the franchise down there, um, I knew it was a perfect fit for me to cut my teeth as a head coach. And well, I'm really excited. We've we've worked together closely these last couple months to build our team and get ready for our main camp. And um, I've only been down to Corpus for a, for a little bit. I've been kind of all over the country with our pre-draft camps, uh, our draft, and I, I own my own business doing some summer camps. So it's been a little bit a uh, little bit stressful at times, but uh, like it's exciting, stressful. It's it's motivating. It's that it refuels you again for another season. It's a shorter off season for the North American League finishing up pretty late they're the last league in the u.s to finish so a lot of these teams are kind of getting their camps in order getting their rosters in order and they're gonna august 15th august 20th is gonna roll around pretty quick when camps start opening up but um yeah i'm, I'm really excited about the position um and you, you can't beat texas weather during a hockey season too i can't can't uh, lie about that you know yeah that's for sure um my girlfriend has family in, in texas and dallas and just in that area so uh you know very interesting to hear about your your take on the league and the level and um maybe just talking a little bit more about your role i know you said it's kind of been a, a whirlwind experience here recently and um you know just kind of dealing with the draft and, and the short off season maybe break down a week in your position and, and just provide some insight on what you've been up to here recently well right, right now like i said i'm kind of pulled in a couple different directions with things going on but like our main focus when I took the job was was kind of tracking down players, right? We I inherited 
about nine guys that were already tendered by the previous staff. And so reaching out to those guys was a first order of business, connecting with them, making sure that we're on the same page and making sure they feel the love. And then we had a handful more tenders that we could use. So getting on, on Instat really was my first option. Uh, I've used that the past two years. It's a great platform. Um, you can find out more about players through that than I think um, in a short weekend tournament. You can watch kind of a, a larger sample size. So diving into that, getting on the phone, talking with players. I, I learned that from the great Jeff Meredith at Fredonia that you can learn a lot from phone calls. It's kind of a, a lost art these days, I think, maybe. Um, but in the hockey world and recruiting, I think it's a really big, important piece. So I spend a lot of time on my phone talking with different coaches, different players, player advisors, kind of getting a feel for who's who and what's what and trying to build our team the way we want. And I kind of alluded to the, the big culture piece, finding guys that fit our culture was is going to be a huge staple for us. So that was kind of my first month and a half or so. Um, was using those tenders and preparing a draft board for the draft, which we had uh, about a week ago. And yeah, and just filling our pre-draft camps, getting ready for main camp. We didn't have a main camp uh, announced when I took the job. So kind of going down uh, the road, trying to find a rink. We're doing it just outside Detroit, somewhere locally where guys can either fly into or guys in the Midwest can drive to. Um, and that's coming quickly here in a week and a half. So I'm, I'm really excited to, to get on the ground and see what the guys, all, all the work we've done, our director of scouting, Trevor Jewell has, has done a great job building our camp out from the ground up and just kind of see what product we'll have on the ice and get our 30 man roster together and head to Corpus here in about a month. So it's, it's exciting times. Um, I'm in the midst of running my, my youth hockey program here in New Jersey. So any, anytime I'm off the ice, I'm on my phone, I'm on the computer doing things and uh, getting really good at managing time, you know? Yeah, yeah, life of a hockey coach, definitely, yeah, you know, having a million different tasks, but um, very interesting to, to hear about the, you know, kind of the focus here as you started in the role, and, uh, you know, in building this team, you kind of have a, a mindset for what level you want to reach, and, and you've definitely been, uh, you know, watching enough players and enough games to kind of realize the level of play in this league, and uh, for those who maybe aren't as familiar with the North American Hockey League, maybe just talk about the league itself. And then uh, kind of what you know in terms of the, the level of play and the commitments we see moving forward. Well, yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's pegged as a tier two second best league in our country. Right. Um, my mindset and my outlook on it is the USHL is a little bit younger. Like we had a lot more O threes, a couple of fours come through. Not a lot of 20 year olds. You're only allowed five 20 year olds on a USHL roster uh, in the North American League. There's no stipulation on that. So. It's, uh, I think it's, a, obviously the numbers speak for themselves. It's a college-ready league. It produces a ton of Division One products, uh, a ton of Division Three players. Like, it is the closest thing to college hockey you can get to, especially in the Southern Division. Uh, it's big boy hockey, and the pace is just absurd, in my opinion. I, I had the chance to go up to Blaine and, and watch the Robertson Cup and uh, was really, really impressed with the speed of the game there. It was, uh, the USHL is fast, and I think, uh, the NA is right there on, on pace with that. And I think maybe with the older player in the North American league, you get a little bit more physicality instead of skill. Um, but again, there's, there's plenty of skill mixed in there, but the way we're, we're building our team is we're going to, we're going to come at you in waves. We're going to be heavy and hard and we're going to have a lot of speed. And um, I think, again, I'll, I'll rely on a lot of the structural pieces that I learned from Everett with the success they've had 
over the years. Um, but obviously you, you, you kind of take things from different stops along the way that, that you like and think will work at certain levels. And um, yeah, it's, it's a great league and our, our division's growing down there with some new teams and it's going to be a gauntlet to get out of. And again, Jeff Meredith, he, his patented term is meat grinder. He texted me the other day. He said, are you ready for that? null meat grinder. So I had a chuckle at that. And um, I think we're ready and I'm excited to see the, the guys we get on this 30 man roster again. It's, it's uh, it's an exciting time to be an ice ray. For sure, for sure. And, and you know, you talk about uh, everything that you're doing here now, you're implementing from different stops that you've had in your career. And one of the things that you kind of hinted at a couple of times, but we haven't talked about is your own player development company. Uh, maybe just talk about that experience and, and some of the things that you've been able to kind of develop and work on throughout your tenure, uh, kind of working with players in the program. So I, a lot of coaches know this. Um, when you, when you first get into coaching and you're cutting your teeth, um, it's not, it's not an occupation where you get rich from right away. So you have to find other avenues to supplement some money. And my first contract at Fredonia was a 10-month contract, so I had to find other ways to – like a summer job, basically. You're, you're basically on a teacher's contract. Um, and I had started doing camps uh, for a company called Pro Ambitions over a decade ago when I was still playing. Um, so I continued doing those camps along the way, and I had done them all the way up until last summer. Uh, traveling all over the place, New England. I'd been out to Arizona. I'd been up to Canada doing these camps. And again, COVID played a, a big piece into what my summer was going to look like last year. And all the camps I had previously scheduled with Pro Ambitions were, were canceled. And unfortunately, we couldn't have them. And um, the stresses on businesses like that are across the board in our, in our country and all over the world right now. So um, just talking with like, I have a local staff here, guys that usually I bring on board for these camps and they, they've been with me for a few summers and we, we put our heads together and talked about some things and we came up with a plan to start doing, uh, virtual camps. And actually John Lounsbury, um, who used to coach the Walpole Express and was with Holy Cross as a volunteer the past couple of years. Um, he started a, a, a virtual kind of coaching platform player platform where coaches could get on, introduce a drill with some video for kids to do at home. So that got the wheels turning for me and my staff. And we actually put on six weeks of virtual hockey camp last summer to kind of, obviously kids were sitting at home. They didn't have a lot of things to do, create some structure and some teaching. And um, like I said, we did six weeks of that. And that was kind of the, the birth of Lisi player development, uh, better known as LPD. And it's, it's really grown in the last year. Uh, we ended up towards the end of last summer having two on-ice camps for a week. Uh, we did a younger group, and then we did an older group. And things went really well. There was a lot of uh, buzz about it in the area here in New Jersey. And then we set up uh, four camps for this summer. We're in the midst of week two right now, and uh, this is our largest week right now. And I'm, I'm really happy with the turnout uh, I think the kids are really enjoying themselves. We had an impromptu guest pop in yesterday. He was he was at uh, stick time with his daughters, Travis Zajac. So all our campers were going nuts, taking pictures with him. Um, and he was gracious enough to accommodate and say hello to our campers. And yeah, for for me, like this is this is what I really this is where I started my love for coaching was the grassroots and and doing the camps and it's obviously it's not as uh, cutthroat as coaching the North American league, the WHL, the USHL. And um, it's still stressful at times because you're managing uh, uh, a larger scale business and you're 
you're taking care of people's kids for the day, right? So uh, a little bit of babysitting on that side. But again, I've got a great staff, former college players, college players now, um, some local youth coaches. Um, and these guys have been phenomenal for me. Like I, I lean on them a lot and they've really helped push this company and our product to the next level. And again, it, it all started with probably a, a poor situation with COVID, right? And uh, silver lining that this company has come out of it and I think a lot of kids are benefited, benefiting it from it now. So um, I, I love doing these things and it's, it's part of my passion and what got me into it. So I'm, I'm glad to see it kind of grow into something bigger in this area and provide for these kids. And we try to help them along the way. Like we even had a, we had a pro junior level skate yesterday where you have guys that are played in the East coast league, uh, a couple guys signed over in France, some tier three, some tier two junior players, um, and even some kids that are uh, coming out of the U18, U16 that are trying to push that junior level to give them a taste of what, what those skates would be like. And, like, uh, again, it's, it's not work for me. This is what I enjoy doing. So um, I'm really happy with what we've created here in the last year and a half. Yeah, when you can build on your passion and definitely grassroots for, for any coach is kind of where it all starts. So uh, that's always nice and, and making the, the best out of a, a tough situation with COVID. I, I think it's, uh, you know, a win-win in that regard. And uh, and definitely, you know, having players like Travis Ajak and, and semi-pro guys coming in doing skates is always a nice challenge and, and something different as well. Uh, you know, throughout this whole journey, you, you've kind of progressed, like you said, starting at the grassroots level a little bit late and then moving your way up. Uh, looking at that head coach role specifically that you're in now, how important do you feel it was to work as a, an assistant coach and a volunteer coach uh, prior to becoming that head coach and not kind of just skipping the steps and maybe trying to take on a program at a younger level? Yeah, it's it's funny you say that because if you if you asked Mike Lisi in 2018 if he was ready for a head job, he would have told you absolutely. And uh, taking that step as an assistant and working on a staff at RPI and then uh, in Everett and Des Moines, I don't think I was ready back then. And I think now I've, I've had the experiences I need of being an assistant coach and learning under, especially like my path, maybe different from some other guys where I've worked for really four different head coaches and you take a little bit from everybody and blend it all together to find what your recipe is going to be. Um, and I think being an assistant, you learn to be a, a good supporter, right? And, um, you've got to back who you're working for. And you learn a lot from those conversations when behind closed doors, when things do get tough and you always kind of see what, 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 when you go into a room, right, you're all banded together, right? You all, it's one bunker. We're, we're in it together. And I think that's some things I've learned along the way um, that will help me progress to a head coaching job uh, here, especially from my time in Fredonia. We, we, we took a program that, well, I, I say we, I got there with Jeff Meredith has been there for 30 plus years and he's had this program since the day I was born. So to kind of get integrated in a program like that, that was struggling at the time. And for me and Jeff to kind of put our heads together and change some things and really work and change some old things that he had been doing to progress to where we were in a championship game my last year. I think that is really where I've learned the most, where you can see how coaching and your mindset has to, evolve through the course of a year you can't just stay the same and do the same thing over and over again and expect the same results so again all these experience i think you can lean on through the course of a year you're going to have your ups and downs and um 
some days are better than others, but you, you learn to manage those things. And again, going back to my time in Des Moines, you, you get a temperature for the players in the room and how they're feeling. And you have to, it's, it's about those guys at the end of the day. So you got to make sure that your room is in order too. And those are some things I learned this past year that I don't think I would have been ready if I took a head job even a season ago. So I think you just take everything and, and you, you progress along the way and hopefully, um, I mean, I don't think anybody is certainly 100% ready for that job when it comes, but um, as long as you're prepared, detailed, and organized and have good support around you, you you'll be successful. And I think we've got a great staff uh, set in Corpus and a great organization. And, I mean, there'll be, there'll be ups and downs, but we're prepared to deal with them. Yeah, no, for sure. That's, uh, you know, it, it's always a challenge in front of you and uh, great to hear that you have a great staff in place. But I think everybody, like you said, it kind of is striving for that next role. They want to be, you know, in charge. Anytime you can, you can have a, a main say in a staff. It's it's exciting, but uh, you know, it's always good to kind of go through the reps and and have those experiences because ultimately, um, you're going to lean on them heavily once you get to that role where you're kind of the the one steering the ship. And uh, you know, one of the things they talked about earlier is just the amount of travel in the WHL and in junior hockey and in many leagues, uh, pretty much outside the NHL, that's the case. And it gives you a lot of time to, uh, to look for ways to get better and use that time. And a lot of people like to dive into different resources, you know, books, articles, presentations, uh, seminars, all these different things. So for you personally, um, for the guests on the podcast who are listening, uh, any uh, recommendations for different resources that they can use to get better in the game of hockey? Well, first off, I, I really enjoy, and this is an everyday thing for me. I, I, I subscribe to, to Sirius Satellite Radio and I listen to Channel 91, the NHL channel there. And um, they've got a plethora of, of different types of shows, whether it's uh, just, just hockey talk or they're talking fantasy hockey and, they have some former NHLers on there, former NHL GMs, and I really enjoy listening to that every day. I, I start my day with the morning skate, so um, I get the hockey wheels turning right away, and you're finding out what's going on in the best league in the world from right away at 7 a.m. or 6 a.m., depending what time zone you're in. Um, and then I, I, I do listen to the uh, 31 Thoughts with uh, Elliot Friedman, um, and then I, I tend to listen to a lot of music on these long road trips. Yeah. Yeah, if you get a little time to nap on these buses, it's it's good for your your mental uh, outlook on things. You don't get a lot of rest. It's late nights and long trips, so if you can get to close your eyes a little bit and uh, relax, I think that's a good time for that. But then a lot of the, a lot of the long bus trips in the in the dub were diving into pre scouts, getting video ready for the next opponent. That was an interesting schedule there. That um, you never played the same opponent usually back to back, so you're three and threes you're preparing for three different teams. So there is always a uh, work to be done. So um, you're, you're always kind of dialed into that, but you, there's a, there's a work life kind of balance. You got to work out. And again, mental health is a huge thing these, these days. And I think taking care of yourself and taking a nap every once in a while can do you some good. Um, a lot of books along the way and uh, probably some of the, um, ones that I've kind of leaned on the most, uh, when I was at Fredonia, we actually gave our whole um, our whole team after year one uh, the energy bus at John Gordon, and uh, I thought that that's a great easy read. Um, these cultural books that kind of reaffirm what you kind of, you 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 believe in, but you just need to reaffirm it every once in a while. Are good, quick little easy reads. Uh, I'm reading Soup right now, another John Gordon book. 
And then I alluded to earn the right to win the Tom Coughlin book there too. Those are some great resources. I think every coach should take a peek at or, or read a little bit or, and players I think can benefit from it too. So you can be on not the same page as a coaching staff, but maybe um, expand your mind a little bit outside of just the player mindset. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's so many different ways to go about it. And a lot of people like to tie into different sports even, but uh, definitely, you know, it doesn't have to be hockey related while, uh, it's always great to get those as well. And, and don't get me wrong, I definitely listen to a number of hockey podcasts and hockey radio, everything like that. But there's so many resources out there and so many ways to, to use your time. But I, I still think one of the best ways to learn is, is from, uh, you know, the, if the phone calls, the conversations. And a lot of times uh, these people who you kind of lean on throughout your career end up being mentors in a sense. So for you personally, uh, I know you mentioned uh, quite a few people, but maybe just go over some of your key mentors once again and just talk on the major lessons that they taught you thus far in your career. Yeah, I think first off, Jeff Meredith, uh, again, a guy who's who's been at Fredonia for over 30 years. He's he's uh, a legend in himself, and I, I really appreciate the opportunity he gave me at Fredonia to, to start coaching. Um, funny story, it's, it's crazy how things align. Um, I played against Jeff for four years at Cortland and I'll never forget, um, my last game in Fredonia, I went through the handshake line and, and Jeff grabbed me and congratulated me on a great career and said, yeah, you're going to be successful in whatever you, you've done. And I had never met Jeff prior to that. So for us to reconnect a year and a half down the line from there and him offering me a job, I knew I was going to a great place with a great person at the helm. And I think that's what I've learned from Jeff the most is, like it's, it is a, it's a hockey business. It's cutthroat, but at the, at the end of the day, we're people, right? And uh, a lot of people are entrusting you with their, their son or even daughters at these youth camps um, to take care of them for the day or, or look out for them. And Jeff has done a great job of that again for, for 30 plus years. Um, and we, we had our struggles along the way and um, we would close the door, hash it out together and, and always come out stronger. And um, he showed me again, the, the willingness to adapt for a guy who's been in the chair for for that many years to still be learning and changing his ways and adapting is probably why he's been in that seat for so long. And uh, just his detailed approach, his, his work ethic, um, we would have battles getting into the office first in the morning. He hated being beat. So I'd get there one day before him and he'd beat me in the next day or he'd be in the gym early in the morning and come in leaking sweat and just a, a good competitive atmosphere. Um, and then again, my time with Dan Jewell, me and Danny obviously played together. Uh, he gave me another great opportunity. I think everyone on that, on that RPI staff or someone I've touched base with over the years, Chuck Weber has been great to me. Um, he's got kind of a, a similar path kind of going all over and ending up in the college game late. He's been in the pro game. He's been in, uh, he's been overseas. So I've leaned on him a bit when it comes to decision-making on, uh, on some of these job changes uh, and then Dennis Williams and, and Lou Mass at, in Everett, just from Lou is probably the, the I don't want to bash anybody else, but when it comes to a hockey mind, he, he helped me grow my mind as a, as a hockey coach the most. Um, and I think Willie set the standard for me. He said, day one, I want you to outwork Lou. And that's nearly an impossible task. Uh, Lou is always dialed into video, wanting to learn. He's a student of the game and, um, uh, he really pushed me along the way. We shared an office and uh, helped me learn the game from a, a different perspective and how to really be a student of it and 
enjoy that, right? And I, uh, I think some of the video can get monotonous over the time, but I love watching the game as a fan. But now you watch the game a different way, and now you're pulling clips and you're you're building tech packs, and um, that experience in Everett was was I'm so grateful for and learned so much from the short time I was there, and it really it, it created a hunger to to be better every day. And uh, from from Willie down, Will, Willie and I would go running each day or every couple of days, and we'd start out saying, "Hey, we're going to run X amount of miles," and he's so competitive that we'd end up running more and Neither of us wanted to be the one to quit. So it just, it was that competitive atmosphere that really helped me grow as a, as a coach and a leader. And I, I'm really appreciative of all those guys that I've worked with. And um, like you said, it's guys you call and just talk to and lean on for advice. And uh, a guy like, like Willie is a guy who's had success in North American league in the Southern division. So I'm sure um, I'll be bothering him through the course of the year for some advice on things and, um, so on and so forth, but it's, I've been really blessed to work with some great people along my way here. Yeah. So many great people in the game. And, uh, you know, it, it's a, it's a tough question to, to ask all the guests just because I feel like I put you on the spot and you probably have like 15 to 20, uh, you know, oh, yeah. probably an endless list of people. And I'm sure you'll get a few calls once this goes live on, on a few <laughs> yeah. people of our shadow, but, uh, you know, that's kind of the way it goes. So, uh, Mike, as a final question here on the podcast today, uh, looking at someone who's maybe um, just finishing their own playing career and looking to get into the game or, or someone who's just looking to to kind of jump into the coaching field, what's one piece of advice that you would give them in hopes that they would be successful? Well, I kind of go back to the piece of advice I got when I, I, was, uh, I was still in school and uh, a junior coach asked me, hey, what are – what are your plans when you graduate and you're done playing? And I, I said, I wanted to coach. His response was, well, be prepared to, to take one on the chin financially for a bit. So if you can stomach that, I think you'll, you'll be really successful. Um, again, it's not a, it's not a, a high paying position when you first get into it, but trust me when you get in at an entry level or get an opportunity and you do really well, uh, the people in this game on the coaching side are, are amazing and they, they see who, who works the hardest and who grinds and puts in the time and pays their dues. And eventually, like if you're, if, if you do things the right way, you'll get more opportunities um, and just stick the course. There's been plenty of days where I've been frustrated and Hey, we're, what am I doing? Why am I doing this for, for this amount? And you're overworked, underpaid, but at the end of the day, it's, it's hockey. Like it's, it's what I enjoy. It's what I love. So I think if, if you really have a passion for the sport and um, you, you can do it and have some support, like my family was great to me through the course, like taking a volunteer job was, was tough, but it, it put me to a, a, a level that I would, I never reached as a player. I don't think I would have reached without taking that opportunity. So um, be a risk taker, like just go for it and trust that things will work out, bet on yourself. And, um, yeah, I think it's it's nothing is guaranteed, but I think if you have faith in it, things will work out the way you want and you can progress and be really successful in this job. You don't need to be a guy who played a thousand games in the NHL. You just have to be someone who's passionate and willing to do the work and can relate to these players today is a big part of it. So I know uh, there's always young guys getting into it and they usually have a little bit of a leg up because they can relate to the, the player, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, definitely is the case. But I think that's tremendous advice. Just uh, you know, coaching, like you said, it can be cutthroat and a little bit tough financially at times. But 
when you you think again that uh, you know you're here coaching in, in a game that you love and uh, no day really is work uh, in the sense that many people know it so I think that's a, a great way to approach it and and Mike with that I just want to thank you again for joining me on the podcast and taking some time out of your schedule I know you're heading on the ice here soon so I won't uh, keep you any longer but thank you again for for taking the time and I wish you all the best here moving forward I appreciate that Ryan I really enjoyed it all right perfect all the best and take care you too One thing that fans within the game, hockey minds, and players can agree upon is that when done responsibly, there's nothing better at the end of the day than a cold beer that you enjoy for both its taste and its aroma. And this segment of the Hockey Minds podcast is brought to you by Kitty Vitty Brewery. You can visit their taproom now open seven days a week and their new retail location in St. John's, Newfoundland at 16 Harborview Avenue. If you're one of those people who are maybe looking for some more entertainment, somewhere to sit with friends, you can definitely check out their original location in Kitty Vitty, Newfoundland. Join the Kitty Vitty Craft Club at kittyvittybrewery.ca and give them a follow on social media to keep up to date on the latest brew news. If you're not from Newfoundland and not from the East Coast and you want to get involved, definitely follow them on social media and learn more about their beer, which is great for a casual beer drinking fan and also the beer enthusiasts. And stay tuned, because who knows, maybe they'll find their way to get their beer to a location near you. Check out Kitty Vitty Brewery today for more information on their beer, clothing, and all things Kitty Vitty Brewery. I'd like to thank Mike for taking some time out of his busy schedule to join me on the podcast and talk about his career. It was our first exposure to the NAHL, and I look forward to watching the league and his program moving forward. If you would like to get in touch with Mike to learn more about his experiences, I encourage you to reach out to him directly, or you can contact HockeyMindsPodcast at Outlook.com, and I can help make that connection for you. Next on the podcast, I'll be joined by Matt Prefontaine, video and analytics coach with the Winnipeg Jets. Matt was actually set to be on today's episode, but we decided to do some finishing touches on the editing side, so check back on Wednesday as we bring you one of our favorite interviews to date. Once again, I'd like to thank everyone for listening in today, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast check out our social media platforms, and also look to our website for more exciting content moving forward. As always, stay safe and all the best.